Ephesians 6 and verse 12, page 1112. Well, let's go from verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God. Yes, there's a struggle. But the struggle is in the spiritual realm because we are spiritually born. We live by the spirit, so we will experience a struggle, but it is a spiritual struggle. It's not, we're done with, if we are born again and entered into the kingdom, we're done with the kingdom of darkness. In that sense, the kingdom of death and of the flesh and of the world. We live amongst it, which is why this second reference is, um, is quite key. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 3, page 1099. It's perhaps where we get this phrase being in the world, but not of it. Paul says, verse 3 of chapter 10, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Or again, as older versions have it, Although we are in the flesh, we do not live according to the flesh. Sort of nuanced, different ways of the same term flesh. We, We are surrounded by those who do not know God. We are surrounded by the flesh or the world, the tainted, the sin soaked world. But we are not of the world. Indeed, he goes on, verse 4. The weapons we fight with in this, in this struggle are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have, these weapons that we now have, have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So the New Testament recognizes a struggle, an ongoing struggle but it's, it's one on a spiritual sphere, if you like, a spiritual realm. So the question, you know, why don't I always feel like I'm a Christian? Why don't I feel like I'm... You talked to him about, you know, uh, being a, a child of the Father, a son of God. Why don't I always feel like that? And the question is not... The, the issue is not, well, may, maybe you're not then. We've done away with that. If you know, if you've asked Christ into your life, you've given yourself to him, sponge in water, water in sponge. We we cannot think that way anymore. So how should we think? Well, in terms of spiritual battle. Do you think there's someone out there who would love to rob you of your sonship in in the spiritual realms? Is, Is there someone out there who'd love to undermine your every effort to live for him? Answer, yes. We better wake up to the fact there's an enemy out there. Now, if we're sleepy Christians... No problem. You, you, you walk up to a fortress, there are two guards. One's asleep and one's awake. Which one are you going to be more wary of? The one that's asleep, you don't have to bother about him. He's asleep. But the one who's alive, that's the one you need to have your scheme against. So as the devil recognises Christians coming alive, do you think he's going to oppose that in some way? You bet. But fortunately, Christ, uh, Colossians 2 and a myriad of other um, verses and references as well he's disarmed the principalities and powers he's defeated them on the cross defeated past tense we stand on the victor's side we have nothing to fear as long as we fight and battle in christ but that's the reality 
And I, I, I feel, I often feel, why is it that, you know, I can prepare really well, give a talk, but it, and, uh, on Alpha, give a talk that I've given in a similar form many, many times before, fairly confident in the material, uh, fairly confident in my ability to, to, um, to, to, to speak and, uh, and to communicate. Why is it that the day after some Alpha talks, I can feel really pants, like, like, I feel, God, that talk was awful. That was just, oh, I got it all wrong. It won't have had any effect. I messed up. And I'm feeling really sort of, you know, unusually. There's like a surplus of, of kind of yuck. And, and then I'll get an email from say, oh, fantastic talk. Right? You know, were we at the same event? But why have I felt like that? And I need to understand, I need to wise up. If I'm living in the spirit, I'm in a spiritual battle. I need to have the armor on. Of course the enemy's going to come and say, you're no use. Who do you think you are? You think you can give a talk and someone becomes a Christian? <laughs> yeah. Undermining, condemning. You put yourself in the front line, didn't you? Exactly that. Exactly that. Which is why it's so important that we pray uh, for Alpha and for the, the events where it is. Exactly frontline stuff. Yeah. And I, if I doze off and go to sleep, I forget I'm in a battle. And I get surprised why I'm being attacked. But it's not because I'm not a real Christian or, or you know, that uh, I, I shouldn't sort of venture out into claiming everything that God has given for me in Christ. It's just that everything that is mine in Christ and is ours in Christ by the Spirit, the full sonship, heirs with Christ, uh, co-heirs with Christ rather, and heirs of the whole inheritance of heaven, all that is ours. But don't you believe there's someone who's going to try and rob it from us? Um, feedback. I'd love to know uh, the kind of things that you were discussing in terms of living in this this sort of tension. What kind of things were? It may not. You may be talking about something completely different. Yeah. Yeah. Body life. Thank you. Yeah. Which, and again, the, the New Testament writers would been right with you on that. Yeah. Other things, Chris? We, we were discussing the idea of just doing the simple things well rather than too wound up about theological abundance of such a problem. So, Ensuring that we have the basics, the basic disciplines in place. Yeah. Training to live this life. Yeah. Thank you. Other things? Harry? I, um, I just thought, I'm desperate that I couldn't work out a way of describing how we should live as God and sign people. And I, I just scribbled something down after we finished talking. Which I think it would be probably living, relying wholeheartedly on the promises of God. Thank you. Yeah. Living, relying wholeheartedly on the promises of God. Yeah. 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 Other things? So. Yeah. 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 By faith, kind of pressing in, yeah, to what we know is ours. Yeah.
So it's kind of, it's, 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 it is an emphasis. So, am I right? You're sort of looking for an emphasis on the already, living out the already, even though we acknowledge there's, there's an element of not yet. Yeah. Yeah. We were thinking a bit about, um, you know, being in heaven and uh, how all our heart we want to do is actually to worship God. And that's the idea of worshipping in spirit and truth. And what does that mean? And then we, yeah. I, as I said, I found the, the, the Romans 12 was quite helpful in, in just sort of helping to think through some of the ways in which if you are living in this world, worshipping in spirit and truth, yeah. these are the sort of things you'd be yeah. doing to loving one another. Yeah. yeah, very helpful. Yeah, the practical things, which follows on from that wonderful doxology at the end of Romans 11, isn't it? Oh, the, the wonders of the great love of God. Yeah, yeah. Good. Rosemary. Yes, that's, yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed. And the sort of, the, the, the story of the little boy listening for the watch is that, that sort of discipline, that I, I don't know if you were here last week, but, um, um, or when you listen for a particular bird song amid all the sort of planes and traffic and everything else and you're listening for a particular, so you tune out in order to tune in the more, um, and it's, it's that idea, absolutely, which is a, it's part of the sort of spiritual discipline. I mean, I guess the, the discipline of silence um, and of stillness, of stilling ourselves, is particularly in the city in which we live and the lives in which many of us live, a really important discipline to, to train this um, spiritual life in us. Mm. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. Um, oh, Sean, yeah. You talked about the fruit of the Spirit, but I think it's also an exercise in the gifts of the Spirit as well. So, you know, the gifts that talk about healing and prophecy, um, the miracle. The miraculous as well. Yeah. Because the power of God that's, that's at work in us, which yeah. is pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Thanks. I mean, I'm gonna, yeah, I just want to come on to that as I, I sort of come into land. Thanks, um, Sean, for that. The kind of, yeah, the, 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 the sort of aspects of heaven that we would expect now to, to look for them. And I'll say a little bit more about that next week when we talk about about the gifts. I mean, just to the question, Paul, as the principal New Testament writer, how would he have lived in the now and not yet? And I think he would have embraced the tension. He, there seems to be so many references where he, he embraces that. Let's just look again at Romans chapter 8. Um, a fantastic chapter in, in the Bible. And um, chapter 8, verse. Um, let's go from verse 16. Um, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Here's the tension. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the ones who subjected it. In hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption the redemption of our bodies. I'll just pause there. There's the, 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 the now or the already and the not yet tension there. Um, and do you notice some of these sort of contrasts? Um, creation waiting eagerly with expectation, even though, verse 20, it's subjected to frustration. The frustration of the not yet, but it's waiting eagerly for this sort of, or you know, in the light of the already. Uh, verse 23, not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly, that's the groaning, as we wait eagerly. <laughs> so there's a, there's a groaning and yet an eagerness, which is this, this, it seems to me, this sort of tension that Paul is happy to live with and to teach about as he invites Christians to, to live in what I've called the, the radical middle. Of, of just accepting that there is both now and not yet, that there is glory, there is wonder, there, is, there are miraculous interventions by God. We, we see extraordinary things, signs and wonders, and yet that happens amidst suffering. Just look at how the, how the um, Thessalonians came to faith, as Paul reminds them. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Page 1121. From verse 4. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he's chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how he lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering, with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. Again, you see the, the tension, there's the, the, the not yet, there's, there's suffering, there's hardship. And yet amid suffering and hardship, we can, to borrow Rosemary's thing, we can, we can tune in with the power of the Spirit. Notice the, the power there, the energy, the life that enables us to tune in to joy, a fruit of the Spirit amid suffering. And James says, doesn't he, consider it pure joy when you face trials 
difficulties. How is that possible? Well, it's, it's that down payment, that deposit, that taste of the Spirit, which we look for and seek to encourage in us and in one another. Hence, Alan's point about the living together. We, we help one another. Which is it easier to do? I know there are exceptions to this rule. Someone like a Paula Ratcliffe, actually, she loves to run races from the front on her own. But actually, how is it that so often a front runner is caught by a chasing group? It's because the group can kind of encourage each other. You go for a phase and a long run where you're feeling a bit tired, but everyone else is sort of feeling a bit fresher than you, and they kind of buoy you along. Um, do, do you know that? I mean, if those who work in an open plan office, this analogy may not work at all. It's probably a huge distraction. You don't get any work done. But do you know, it's it, it, like revising. I remember revising for exams in the library, and everyone, the students, everyone is kind of hard at work, and it kind of inspires you to not be distracted and you know to work harder. Not least because you want to do better than bloggings over there. So I better put some work in. Um, but there's this, this sense of sort of corporate encouragement, uh, an energy, a synergy, if you like, that we derive from working this out. Together. Which we get coming here tonight all together, and there's only two of us in the pews. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It, yeah. It is, and there's it, and it, and a bubble of conversation all around the place. I think this is a whole load of people engaging with this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, embracing the radical middle is to recognize that the power of the gospel is his strength, the already. In our weakness, the not yet. Let's just see one final reference, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10. Page 1115. For how we might um, live in this radical middle, the, the sort of living out the best of the tension between the not yet and the now as we live the life of the Spirit. Uh, I've read this before, haven't I? But it's just, I want to pick up on the last bit, but let's pick it up from um, verse 8. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage. I can't believe that word's there. Um, that I may gain Christ. And be fa- do you know what, do you know what, you're not know the original Greek is though. It's, it's actually a rude word. So garbage is polite. Um, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Here we are. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. So I want to embrace this tension. There's, there's suffering. And, and where there's suffering, that's a mark of discipleship. This is me following Jesus Christ by the power of the Spirit. I'll go where formerly, ordinarily, I'd be fearful to go. But I will follow Christ into suffering, if that's where he's calling me, I will go in the power of the Spirit. And in so doing, I'm matured. This is the James passage. For you know that trials and tests develop perseverance and faith and and, and bring you complete to maturity. So I will follow Jesus Christ through suffering, through trial, through difficulty, because I know that the Spirit is at work in me, producing fruit, refining me, burning off the weak bits and uh, refining the gold. But look, also, I don't just want to um, participate in his sufferings. I want to know the power of his resurrection. The same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, Paul's argument in Romans 
8 verse 11. The same Jesus who raised, the same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. We have, because of the eschatological down payment, we have that resurrection power in us. So, to pick up Sean's point, we should expect from time to time that there will be miraculous things. What greater miracle can there be than the resurrection, the new life? We ought to see manifestations of that from time to time, should we not? In terms of maybe a, a, a insight, spiritual insight, a prophetic utterance, healing as we seek it and pray for it. Amid suffering. We, we, we can pray as this end time body of God the spirit-filled body of God, we can pray for people to be healed even as there is sickness. We, we acknowledge, we don't, we don't embrace that, but we acknowledge there is suffering, there's hardship. And we, we don't run away from it. We don't deny it. But we can nevertheless pray for the resurrection power, for a taste of heaven. I, um, I, mean, I, I need to be guarded a little bit in, in, in maybe in this analogy, but I kind of felt there was something extraordinarily end-time-ish about Rachel Hershevitz's funeral. Because there was intense sorrow and grief and suffering. And yet I felt in the body of believers, largely believers, not all believers, but the body of believers who met, there was an extraordinary sense of um, joy. There, there was an extraordinary power such that someone in that congregation that day responded to what they sensed was present. They gave their life to God. There was something very real, very tangible. The experienced reality of the end time spirit amid intense suffering and sorrow. And, and, and that's what marks us out. The, you know, the guys at the pub or the bridge club or wherever it might be, they don't know, they don't know what to do with the, the extremities of life. But we can know extreme joy in extreme hardship and suffering. Not because we're so amazing, but because God in us is amazing. And we're seeking to live out that life and allow our broken jars, the cracks in the jar, allow the light and the love and the life of God to pour out. Um, last little analogy and then I'll finish. Um, what does it look like and feel like to be an end time people living in the now. And I want to suggest that the weather has been really kind to us in supplying an illustration. Hasn't it been fantastic the last few days? And I, I mean, I don't know whether you've, you've marked that. I mean, just as I use this in illustration, you, you, some of you perking, oh yeah, it has. And it has, someone said to me today, in fact, it was the deputy head, I went, I did a thing at the school, and the deputy head came beaming up to me. I thought, oh, you know, what's happened here? And he just went, he just greeted me, really nice chap actually, Richard Sanson, greeted me and said, um, isn't it a lovely day? And I said, it, absolutely it is. Do you know, Richard, it's, it's a prime example of the end time reality of experience. No, I didn't know that. Either. <laughs> but he said, he said, it really lifts your spirits. Yeah. And doesn't it? But isn't that an interesting phrase? It really lifts your spirits. Now, what, what has this weather been? It's been like a summer's day, but it's not summer. It's, it's, it's a summer's day brought into early spring. And what's it done to us? It's, it's kind of reminded us of what we've hoped for. And we've put and thought, oh, oh, what I was hoping for really is actually going to happen. Summer is on its way. I recognize it's not summer yet. But the wonderful thing about a sunny day in March is I can embrace frost 
or rain in April. Because the sunny day in March that I've experienced, I've sat out and had a lunch in the sunshine. Oh, yes. And so I'll put up with a rainy week in April because that sunny day in March tells me that sunny days in May, June, July and August are here to come. And that's where the analogy breaks down, of course, because we live in England. (laughs) And uh, so we'll be sitting through the rain for those four months and then just as we get back to work, what happens? September... And we get glorious sunshine. But it worked with the analogy in theory. Um, it's the end time, the summertime reality made real in the present. And, and just as we... Look, how it's, look how, it's, how it's affected us. At work, and oh, isn't that a great day? Great. It's lifted us. And, and so as the end time people of God, we ought, in a sense, to allow ourselves, discipline ourselves, kind of a little bit of, come on, come on, come on. Because the end time is, is, is now. We can already live in and experience the kingdom. So, so perk up. I, I don't mean a kind of, this isn't a sort of shallow triumphalism, but it is just to mark the reality that we have life in the spirit. A sunny day in March. The promise of the summer to come. I'd love to finish. Let's finish. Can we finish with a song, um, Shawnee? Just because uh, if we had a bit more time, and maybe this is something we can follow up in our, in our groups as we sort of review this course, but I, I wonder how this, this um, spirit reality would impact our, our witness, our, our praying, our corporate prayer and our private prayer. Um, how it would impact, for example, our, our, our singing, our corporate worship. If we, if we really believe and want to live out in the reality that summer's coming, then, then it seems to me that if the church is the new temple of God, the manifest presence of God, then when we sing, in a sense, corporately together, we're breaking the individualism. And we are effectively saying, we're sort of fleshing out in one way, not the only way, but in one way, we're fleshing out Alan's thing about, we're in this together. We're declaring something together. We're, we're expressing what we believe. That God is here. He has already come. And we're going to walk and live and move and breathe and have our being in that reality. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together.